You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Today we're going to be starting a new series called A Season of Growth. We, uh, as a church, we love to go through books of the Bible in our teaching series. We love to uh, unpack what's in the words of this uh, book. And if you've been with us for some time, you'll know that we like to sometimes work through books really slowly. We, we were maybe six months in 1 Corinthians, a little longer in 1 Samuel, and uh, we love the Bible. We love preaching uh, through books of the Bible. Um, this series is actually going to be all over the place in the Bible because we believe that God is speaking to us as a church about a season of growth. We love to be attentive to what God is saying to us uh, now what is he prompting us on? And a few weeks ago, uh, we had a gathering of uh, some of the leaders in the church, and uh, someone there had a picture of a goldfish uh, going into a new goldfish bowl. And uh, it is said of goldfish that when they move into a larger environment, that they grow uh, in accordance with their new larger environment. Okay, some of you are nodding, you've heard that said before. This person who had this picture uh, said that they felt that, that God was saying really that as we, we transition to our new premises which we would hope to be in by the end of this year, that actually it wouldn't be just that God was going to grow us numerically as we're making more room for people to come and join our family, but that actually there were some things that God wanted to grow us in as a church community, that there's some things that God wants to uh, shape us in and and make us uh, fit for this new adventure that he's got us on. And so over these next um, 12 weeks, I think, we're going to be looking at different ways in which we believe God is is calling us to grow at this time. And uh, the first of these is that we believe God is looking to grow us in faith. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you are a Christian here, which will be many people here, if you're a child of the living God, then he really is ambitious for you. He's really ambitious for you. He's got great plans for you. He really wants to shape you in some ways. He loves you so much He's gone to great lengths to save you, to bring you into his family. He has done incredible things to save you, but he doesn't want to leave you as you are. He really wants to change you. He wants to shape you. He wants to add things to you. He wants to chip things off you. He is passionate and ambitious for us. And it's the case that uh, he's ambitious for us individually, but he's also ambitious for us collectively, for his church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. He's really ambitious for us that we would more and more here as Hope Church reflect Christ, that we would more and more uh, be shining bright in this community. He's really ambitious for us. He wants to change us and shape us in some ways. He doesn't want us to uh, rest on our laurels and be uh, just happy as we are. He wants to shape us and change us in some ways. And so today, Uh, I want to unpack for us what it might look like to be a people who are growing in faith. That as we go upon this new journey, as we go into our uh, new building later this year, that God would uh, create and grow in us a growing faith. That we would be more and more known to be a people of faith. If you have a Bible with you, why don't you turn to 2 Thessalonians. It's towards the end of the Bible. And we're just going to read one verse. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to this church in Thessalonica in Greece, and he says this in chapter 1 and verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. 
he was writing to them because he had heard of their faith growing abundantly. Now, that might seem quite a strange concept to you. If you hold that the faith he's talking about is just some mental agreement with some truth claims. If you think the faith he's speaking about is just that we agree mentally with some central tenets of the Christian faith, the Christian religion, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died in our place and rose again, that he's coming back for his people. If it's just the kind of faith that is just agreeing and yesing to those things, then that's not going to make much sense that you can grow in that faith because you either believe them or you don't. What he's talking about here is a faith that is a living faith. Yes, a faith in Christ and all he is and what he has done for us and what he will do for us. But this is a a living faith that can grow. This is a faith that's talking about a trust in God. It's talking about a a trust in God that grows abundantly. This is what we, we see in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And the writer to the Hebrews goes on to say this in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is a, a, a text that is all about living faith, this trust in God. And it goes on to um, speak of heroes of the Old Testament that exercise great faith in God. We see uh, that this writer lists so, so many different heroes. Noah, by faith, built an ark, even though it was a ridiculous thing to do because there was no uh, rain, there was no uh, floods, there was no water. It was a ridiculous thing to do. People were mocking him, but he was being obedient to God. And then the time came and he rescued his family. He, by faith, he obeyed God. By faith, Abraham left the place where he was living in order to get up and go to where God was calling him to, even though he didn't really know what that place was going to look like and what it was going to be like, he trusted God. By faith, Sarah believed that God was going to give her a child, even though she was so old, she was collecting her pension. She believed God. She trusted in God. By faith, Moses, we see here, he refused the riches that could have been his as a prince of Egypt, And he underwent hardship and great suffering because he trusted God and he trusted that God would reward him far more richly than anything else that the world could offer him. By faith, he did this. By faith, the people of God marched around the walls of Jericho seven times because God had instructed them to do it, even though it was a logically ridiculous tactical maneuver. What a What a crazy thing to do, but they believed God. They trusted in God, and they went in faith. Faith is believing God. It's trusting Him. It's acting in obedience to Him, even when it doesn't make sense. Faith is trusting God for provision. It's trusting Him for miracles. It's trusting Him for breakthrough. It's trusting Him for the strength to stand. It's trusting Him for the knowledge that What he has is better for us than anything else that we might possibly gain in the world. Faith is something that we can grow in and that we can grow abundantly in, that we can become rich in faith. It pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I believe that passage is talking about 
how we place our faith in Jesus and you know, believe who he is and what he says and what he's done for us. And therefore, we get made right with God through faith. We please, we please God in that sense. But I believe that our living, ongoing, active faith, I believe it really pleases him because it believes him to be who he says he is. It believes him to be who he says he is. And a big prayer of mine often is that we, Hope Church, would be known as a people of faith. A people of faith who believe God to be who he says he is, who exercise great steps of faith, trusting in him. The people of old, we see in that passage in Hebrews, got their commendation for their faith. They were known for their faith. They were famous for their faith. I want us to be notorious for our faith at Hope Church. I want us to be notorious for our great trust in God, that this would be something of our reputation, that we would be a people who never settle and get comfortable and rest on our laurels and say, oh, we've made it now, that we would actually be constantly be seeking to be obedient to God wherever he may lead us, whatever it may look like. This is who we are to be as a people at Hope Church. We're a church that's never going to settle. We're never going to be a church where it's easy to be comfortable. We want to be a church that is being radically obedient to God. And that's not going to always look like we're just sitting back and enjoying a cruise ship. You know, we're actually looking to God to take us forward in some ways. And it's not going to be comfortable at times. We're, we're believing Him for big things. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard Morris, one of my fellow elders, um, speaking and really just pouring his heart out that we as a team, we believe that God is calling us to big things here in Ipswich. We believe many, many hundreds of people are going to join this family, come and place their faith in Jesus. We believe that we're going to make a big uh, impact in Ipswich and in the local areas. But we also believe that God is calling us more and more to be a, a church that sends people on as well, that we train people up here, that we would have one day... We would look across the nation, across the nations, and maybe across continents, and we would see people in church leadership and serving God in different places who were once with us at Hope Church. We're believing God for that. that is, that's a big vision of ours. We're trusting God for it, and it was, a, it was thrilling to see people stepping forward at the end saying, I don't know what it's going to look like. It might be five years, it might be more, it might be less, but I know God's calling me on from this place someday. And it was, a, it was a joy to pray with people. Some who've got some clearer idea, some who've got no idea what it's going to look like, but they're saying, we're, we're up for this. We're, we're going to believe God for this. And listen, this is going to take faith. It's going to require faith, not just from myself, not just from my fellow elders, not just from a core of people in this church, but from us all. It's going to require faith. If we're going to see God do something incredible here and beyond Ipswich as well, we're going to need to believe God for some great things and for his provision because we're already overstretched in some ways. We need people to step up into serving teams. We need people to step up into serving teams right across uh, this church family on Sundays, in different ministries in the week. We need people to step up and say, count me in, I want to serve. And so it's illogical to start stirring the pot and saying, right, come on guys, we believe God's going to uh, do some great things and send people on from this place. It's illogical to do that. It doesn't make sense. Not only do we have uh, need in terms of serving, we, we've taken on a building in the center of town for which we have a mortgage. We've taken on uh, a building project which we've raised loads of money for recently, but it's going to need more money to be poured into it. And 
we're starting to say to people, come on, we believe God's got stuff for us beyond Ipswich as well. It's illogical to send people away or to stir that pot. It's illogical, but it requires faith because God is calling us to it. God is calling us to it. And so this morning, I would love just to unpack for us what it might look like to, um, to be a people of faith. Because we've seen God do incredible things over uh, the years here. We've seen him provide for our every need as we multiply to two services. As we stepped out and said, we think God's calling us to a new building. <laughs> we didn't have any money. And we were thinking, what, what's this going to look like? God's provided for us again and again and again. And we might then look forward and be like the disciples and think, how is he going to provide for us going forward? Because we laughed the other week, didn't we, when Morris was unpacking the story of the disciples. They're on the boat. They've got one loaf of bread between them. And they've just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. And we laughed at them and their foolishness at how they would then fret about this one loaf of bread. But the reality is that could also be the case for us. That we've seen all this great provision from God. We've seen him provide for our every need in so many different ways. We've seen him save people miraculously, bringing people out of real darkness into his light. And then we look forward and we can be fearful about the future, thinking, how is God going to provide for us going forward? We need to be those that remind ourselves and rehearse what God has done for us in the past, what he's doing for us now, so that we can look forward, not with fear, but with faith. And we say, God is going to, he's going to come through for us. He's going to provide for us. He's going to give us all that we need. So, what might it look like for us to be a people of faith? Well, I believe that to be a, as we more and more become a people of faith, that we are going to be, um, we're going to be a great encouragement to other churches beyond uh, this town. We, when we were starting to explore um, getting a new premises, we were looking at various different options. We had a prayer and vision night here. And a lady called Jenny Arashafe, uh, she um, shared a picture that she saw Hope Church uh, in the media. She saw us uh, on, uh, on TV screen. She saw us um, getting some attention because of what God was doing amongst us. And it was particularly linked to uh, the building. And we have seen that recently. You may or may not have picked up on this. We've been on the BBC. We've been in the Ipswich Star because of what God's doing, particularly with this building. And Already, this has been a great encouragement to other churches. Already, I've had people write to me saying, we're so thrilled to see what's going on there. They're starting to believe, well, if God can do it in Ipswich, he can do it in their hometown as well. He can do it in their city. He can do it in their nation. It's already proving to be the case that we are an encouragement to others. And uh, Sarah and I, we received an invite this week to go and speak at a, a leader's evening at another church in a couple of months' time where we've been asked to share about what God's doing in the way of prayer, in the way of giving, in the way of our step of faith into this new building, because churches are being encouraged by what God is doing here. And that is, as we grow in faith, that's only going to increase. People are going to be very encouraged by what God is doing here, and it will stir them that if God can do it in Ipswich, he will do it elsewhere as well, because God is on our case. So, how do we grow in faith? Well, it's, it's one thing. It's walking with God. And I'm going to unpack that as four things, really. But it's one thing. It's no more and it's no less than walking with God. It's walking with God. It's 
enjoying relationship with him. That's how we grow in faith, essentially. But I'm going to break this down to four things. So if you're a note taker, this will help you. The first thing is this. As we walk with God, we will learn his ways and we'll come to trust him. As we walk with God, we'll learn his ways and we'll come to trust him. If you meet someone for the first time, it's uh, impossible to trust them um, completely, isn't it? Because you, 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 could be for, you could be forgiven for thinking, well, are they really genuine? Do they really, are they really interested in me? Are they really committed to me? Are they really, have they really got my best in mind? Are they going to stick around when the going gets tough? Are they, going, are they going to be dependable for me? You cannot trust someone when you first meet them. You cannot trust them wholeheartedly in the way that God calls us to trust him. But as we walk with him, as we uh, walk with him in prayer, as we get into his word, as we walk with him through being with other believers, we will come to trust him more and more and we'll learn his ways more and more. And we will, we will come to see that he never changes. He never changes. As we heard uh, from Ian, he's the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change with regards to his character. He's not some, some person one day and the next day he's completely different. Some of you might have friends or family who are like that. You, you kind of get up one day and they just, they're a complete mess and you're thinking, what's gone on with you? Have you got out the wrong side of the bed? What's happened here? You, I cannot predict you. I don't know what's gonna, what I'm going to encounter when I next see you. Some people we know are just so unpredictable. Now, God's not predictable, but he's not unpredictable either in that he's not, um, he doesn't change from one day to the next. His character is consistent. He, he, he is always loving. He's always good. He's always just. He's always committed to the same cause, which is his glory, our good. He is unchanging. And so we can trust him. As we learn to walk with him, we can come to trust him more and more. He doesn't change with regards to his person. He doesn't change with regards to his promises. He's made us promises. We can read them in his word. He's made us great promises that we can come to him with. And actually, we can use his promises, and we can appeal to him on behalf of what he has promised, on the basis of what he has promised. We can say, God, you have said this. One of the promises that I often bring back to God is Philippians 4, which says, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And so I'm saying to God, I've got a need here. And so I want to come to you with this need because you've promised that you will supply all my needs according to your glorious riches. So we can come to him with the promises of God because his promises never change. His presence never changes. He never leaves us. He has never once abandoned you. You might have been a Christian for 10 days. You might have been a Christian for 10 years. He has never once abandoned you because he has promised, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. We can trust in God because he never changes with regards to his promises and with regards to his presence. He is ultimately trustworthy and he's calling us to walk with him, to, to, to walk away from cold religion, which just turns up on Sunday and listens to a message and goes home unaffected. He's calling us to a living faith, a walk with him. That's what you were saved for. 
That's what you were created for, to walk with God. That's what Adam and Eve did. They walked with God in the cool of the afternoon, in the garden, enjoying walking with God. And that's what you've been saved back into, to walk with him, to enjoy him. That's what it is all about. And so as you walk with him, you will grow to trust him more. You'll grow to know his ways more. You'll grow to understand his character more, and you can learn to trust him. Your faith will grow. Secondly, as we walk with him, we will learn to deal with disappointment. We'll learn to deal with disappointment and to know healing from pain. And some of you have, in years gone by, you've known disappointment. You've known disappointment with God. It might be that you stepped out to do something and you thought it was what God was saying for you to do and it didn't turn out as you hoped. It might be that you prayed for healing for someone and they didn't get healed. Maybe they passed away. Maybe you stepped out in faith and you trusted God for something and, it, and it, seemingly you were left thinking, well, what, what happened there? What, what on earth has what's happened there? We can, we can have disappointment that can kind of get buried deep within. And if we don't deal with it, what it can lead to is, is a lack of expectation for what God can do going forward. Some of you, you know this very, very well in your own life. Some of you know this very, very well for yourself. That this disappointment is kind of festering within and it's, it's affected your expectation of God. You've started to doubt the goodness of God. Some of you have just gone, you've gone full on numb towards God because of the disappointment that you experienced. We start to think that the great promises of God in Scripture, they don't apply to us or they don't apply for today. Maybe they've got terms and conditions attached to them that I didn't look closely enough at. Or maybe it's just for super Christians and not for everyday Christians like us. We can, we, can, we can, if we don't deal with it, pain and disappointment can fester within us. We had a conference here a few weeks ago, and a lady called Wendy Mann was um, speaking. It was so helpful. She was speaking on this subject, and she said, when you fail to deal with disappointment, you start to lower the standard of Scripture to your pain. So you might read John chapter 14, verse 12, and see that Jesus says, Truly I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. You read that, because I'm going to the Father, that means Jesus is going to the Father. You're going to pour out the Holy Spirit, that we'd be empowered to do the works that Jesus does. But you might have stepped out in some ways, and you've experienced disappointment or confusion, and you might start thinking, well, maybe that doesn't really apply for today. Maybe there's something in there that I'm missing there that I... I maybe read it wrong, or maybe it doesn't really... Yeah, somehow it's, it's for someone else. We can start to lower our expectations to the standard of... We can standard of, of our expectations to our pain. We can lower these things, and we can not expect great things from God because of the things that we are carrying within. And we have to, we have to take that pain and disappointment to God. We have to take it to Him, and we have to pour it out to Him, actually. We have to say to him how we are uh, feeling. We have to tell him uh, that actually we, we have got this disappointment within that we're kind of pushing it down and not wanting to deal with. And we have to bring it to him. He loves it when we come to him as we are. 
and that we pour out our hearts to him. We see that phrase a lot in the Psalms. Pour out your heart to God. Tim Keller says this, God understands us so well that he permits, even encourages us, to come to him with uncensored hearts. Not trying to be polite, not trying to not offend God somehow, but actually that we come to him and we pour out our hearts to him. Just like the psalmist does in Psalm 13, where he says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? This psalmist is disappointed with God, disappointed in some outcome, hopeful of something, it didn't happen. How long are you going to forget me, God? Pouring out pain, being honest with God. You, you have to do that. You, have to, you, you can't stuff it all down inside because what it will do is it will affect your faith. This happened to me very recently. I have been for many years expectant of God for healing. I have prayed for people who have had brain tumors and who then, after praying for them, when they next went to their scan, that tumor was no longer there. That has happened. I'm not lying. I've prayed for other people who have experienced freedom from pain in different ways and, and God has healed them. And yet, I've been kind of walking through this difficulty where both of my parents are very, very unwell. And it's kind of got to me a little bit where my expectations of God have been lowered a little bit. So I'm believing God for great building projects and raising money and all this kind of stuff in the church. But when it came to sort of healing, for, for a time I was thinking, yeah, I can pray for a migraine, I can pray for a bad leg. You know, I'm praying for these. But these big things like Alzheimer's and cancer, have I... Have I got the expectation that God will do that? And I had to spend some time speaking this out to God and telling him how I felt about the fact that my parents haven't been healed yet. And that I've prayed for them a number of times and nothing's happened. I had to deal with that before God. And, and it, was, it was tears, it was messy. But actually, I feel God did something in me whereby I feel like I can expect these things from God again. I can... Well, I'm trusting in God. Like the psalmist, eventually in Psalm 13, comes to, say, comes to say, I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I've come to that place saying, yeah, okay, God, I don't understand this, but I trust in your unfailing love. I trust that you know what you're doing, even though I don't understand it right now. I trust that you know what you're doing, and I've come to a, a place of expectancy again. We have to deal, like, it might be a whole range of things. It might not be anything to do with healing. It might be to do with family. It might be all kinds of things. You have to deal with these things before God. Not just pretend they never happened. Not just stuff it all down and say, yeah, I'm just going to deal with it. Stiff up a lip, British mentality. I'm just going to, you know, push it all away. No, bring it to God. Bring it to God. Tell him what's going on in your heart and say to him, Lord, I trust you. You know, don't shortcut the, the, the lament, but come to him and say, I trust you. And ask him to raise your expectations once more for whatever it might be that you uh, have been disappointed in. So we, we grow in faith as we deal with disappointment, we process the pain. Thirdly, as we walk with God, we allow our living faith to feed off of our saving faith. Can I ask you to raise your hand here 
We don't do this much. Raise your hand here if you know that you are forgiven and free and heading to eternity with God. Raise your hand nice and high. Loads of you. Wonderful. You know this to be true. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know that you have experienced a remarkable miracle in your life? You have experienced a remarkable miracle because you were once far from God. You were once alienated from God. And the Bible says even worse than that, you were once enemies of God because of your sin and because of your rebellion. And he has taken you and he has forgiven you and he's washed you clean and he's placed you into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. That is a miracle. It is a miracle. It really is a miracle. And we need to be those that revel in it and rejoice in it and allow it to feed our daily living faith. If we don't think it's a miracle, if we don't consider it to be a miracle, you may simply be a moral religious person. You may not really know the grace of God because it is a miracle. Again, Tim Keller says this, this is how you can tell if you're a real Christian or if you're just a moral religious person. A moral religious person doesn't think that their salvation is a miracle. You ask a moral religious person, are you a Christian? And they say, yeah, sure. I go to church. I read my Bible. I try and live a clean life. If you ask someone who is wowed by their salvation. Are you a Christian? Yes. Yes, I am. Even me. Even me God has allowed into his family. Even me he's forgiven. If you're a Christian, you have a a spirit of wonder that permeates your life. Even me God would pour out his mercy upon. You're always thinking to yourself, how I don't deserve this. You're pinching yourself. This is too good to be true. That's the kind of uh, thing that will stir our faith when we reflect, when we rejoice in the miracle of salvation. I imagine that if you work, you work hard for the money that you're paid and that when you get your paycheck, as you may have done this week towards the end of the month, when you received your paycheck from your employer, you didn't look at it and go, wow, you paid me. This is incredible. I can't believe this has happened. Listen, that's what that's that's the difference between a moral religious person and a Christian. A moral religious person says, "Yeah, of course I get paid because I deserved it. Because I worked hard." Of course. There's no of courseness about Christianity. There's no of courseness about it. It's a miracle. We receive this gift from God and we really do go, "Wow, I don't deserve this." So we need to revel in the miracle that God has saved us and we need to let this saving faith feed our living faith. Let it feed our living faith that God has brought us this far that he will not let us go. He won't abandon us now. He's got us. He's he who has not spared his only son from us. How much more will he give us all things? How much more? Finally, as you walk with him, be inspired by what God has done. Don't rush through the Bible. Don't think I've got to get through loads of chapters and then I can, you know, I can say to everyone how impressive I am. Read these stories and revel in them and rejoice in them and let these grow your faith and say, God, would you do that in my day? Would you do great miracles again like that in my day? Allow these stories of what God has done to inspire you. Allow stories of what God has done in the years gone by to inspire you. I sat in a, a seminar two weeks ago, and I listened to a seminar about a man called Smith 
Wigglesworth, which is probably the greatest name I've ever heard. And uh, he, he was a, just a normal guy, lived about 70 years ago in this country, and saw incredible miracles, like tumors falling off people, people walking out of wheelchairs, people getting up off of their deathbeds, um, walking to complete wholeness. Um, and it just was inspiring to me. This isn't several thousand years ago. This isn't some far-flung corner of the world. This is this country, in the working-class part of this country, 70 years ago, God doing incredible things through this guy. And it inspired me. It inspired me. We need to be those who are reading stories of those heroes of the faith, reading stories of people like George Muller, who fed hundreds of orphans on a shoestring, trusting God for the provision day by day. We need to be those who are encouraging each other with stories of what God is doing in our lives now. Because in this room, over these two services, are hundreds of people, all of whom God is doing loads of stuff in their lives. We need to be sharing this with each other. God has done this for me. He's provided for me in this way. He came through for me. He healed me. He healed my friend. We need to share these stories. We need to be inspired by what God has done as we walk with him, as we walk with others inspired by what he has done. Share testimonies. If, you, if you've known God working in an incredible way, we want to hear about it. You may or may not have time to share at the front. We hope you will, but we want to hear about it because we want to be encouraged by it. Next term, there's going to be a life group that is all about testimonies. Go to that life group. Be inspired by God uh, working in people's lives, and it will grow your faith. It will grow your expectancy that he will do it again. The God who has done great things will do it again and again. As we're in community, let's be encouraging each other with stories of God's provision. Let's be those who call out crazy talk. How often do we get caught up in crazy talk? That God's provided for us thus far, and then we look forward and think, oh, I don't know how I'm going to face this situation I don't know how I'm going to survive. We need to be those that lovingly call it out and say, he's never abandoned you. He's never abandoned you. What makes you think he's going to start? What makes you think he's going to suddenly change? We need to sometimes lovingly call that out of each other and call faith out of each other instead. Say, Look, don't, don't stew on those thoughts. Don't get caught up in that anxiety. Don't fret about these things. Trust God. He has never failed you. He's never abandoned you. Let's pray, shall we? Why don't you just, right at the outset of this time of response, just say to God, I want to be growing abundantly in faith. I don't want, to, I don't want cold, dead religion. I want active, living faith. Just say that to God where you are. I want this, Lord. I want this. I want, to, I want to believe. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Father God, I want to pray for this church. I love this church. I love this family. Thank you so much for what you're doing amongst us. I want to pray, Father that you would grow us as a people of faith. I want to pray that we would be notorious in this nation and beyond 
as a people of faith. That even when this building project is long since done, that we will be, we will be stepping out in great exploits of faith. That together we would say, yes, Lord, we're trusting you. Lord, we don't know what it's all going to look like, but we trust you and we're going to obey you, whatever it looks like. Father God, I want to ask you that for every man and woman here that knows you and loves you, that you would grow them, that you would grow them in faith, that they would be men and women, that we would be men and women who are abundantly growing in faith, that we would be those that walk with you. Lord, we want to leave behind cold religion that is numb to you. We want to be those that walk with you day by day, that pour out our hearts to you, that deal with disappointment when it comes our way and says, I trust in you. I trust in your unfailing love. We want to be those that are stepping out in great steps of faith. We want to be those that are making Jesus famous. Lord God, so we just say, come and have your way amongst us. Lord, would you astound us? Would you astound us in these next 5, 10, 15 years? Lord God, I want to pray that you would so take us on a journey of faith, a journey of dependency on you, that would glorify you, that would mark us for life, that we would have stories that we would tell the next generation of your goodness. Lord, that there'd be stories that we would pour out to others and say, God did this in my day. Lord, we want this. Lord, we want this for our church. We want this for our legacy. We want this for your glory and your fame. Lord, grow us as a people of faith. Grow us, Lord, I pray. Let's leave behind cynicism. Let's leave behind that it'll never happen. Let us leave behind... Yeah, well, God's finished with this country. No, he has not. Let's leave behind wrong thinking, Lord. Let us step into the truth that you are Lord of all and you are sovereign. And Lord, you are winning for yourself a people from every nation and tribe and tongue and of the increase of your government and of peace. There will be no end, Lord. Your zeal will accomplish this, Lord. Not our best efforts. Your zeal will accomplish it. And you are more zealous for your own glory than anything else. And Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We just want to get caught up in what you're doing in the world, Lord. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of healing in this community. Father God, I pray that we would again see an outpouring of healing. Lord God, we'd see people rising out of wheelchairs. We'd see blind eyes open, Lord we'd see deaf ears unblocked Lord God that you would come and visit our church Lord oh Lord we don't know what it's going to look like but we trust you we call upon you why don't you say to God come and visit our church visit our community in great power visit our nation again in great power Lord stir us Lord give us a hunger for more give us a hunger for more Lord give us expectation for more Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.